Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right. First, a quick note here before we fire up the podcast. So I am a four seed in the uh, the Bears Twitter madness bracket. And in the second round, I advanced in the first round. In the second round, I was facing off against a Bears blog. And about one in the morning, I went to bed. I was down, I think, 55% to 45% and woke up and somehow I had won 54% to 46%. I'm not sure how that swing happened. I feel like something nefarious happened from someone. I don't know, you know, I guess you could buy Twitter votes. I don't know what happened. But I did send out a tweet that if somehow I came back and won, I would hold this open that I do for 30 seconds. So we're gonna give it a shot. So without further ado, let's get to Bears Band. <clears throat> the- It's time for another edition of the Chicago Bears podcast, Bears Banter, powered by Windy City Gridiron and SB Nation, Bill Zimmerman with you. And it has been a while since we have done a podcast, and I'm excited to jump on here. I kept waiting for the Bears to make a couple more moves before I jumped in and kind of, you know, gave the opinions and all and everything I wanted to get into. And I was waiting for an edge. I'm still waiting for an edge to be signed other than Demarcus Walker. I, you know, we'll get into Demarcus Walker here in a minute. And it's just not happening. So I'm like, all right, enough waiting. Let's jump into this podcast. Lester Wiltfong, he's going to be joining us here in just a few minutes. Of course, the big boss man over at Windy City Gridiron. I got a lot of stuff in the trenches I want to get into. So I think Lester, the perfect guy to talk to because this is an interesting off-season to this point. And I know there's going to be a lot of answers uh, that we're going to get at the draft here in about a month. But before we get to the draft, we, we need to talk about everything that's going on. So let's start with the trade and let's work our way back from there with some of these signings and some of the other things going on that Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus have done to this point. Some positives, some negatives. So we need to break it down. And let's start with this trade. And first of all, let me say I am thrilled with the return that Ryan Poles got 
in this trade, especially because it brings in one DJ Moore. Because we had talked about it. I'd written articles and we had talked about it in past podcasts about how do you approach this wide receiver position this offseason? You desperately need it to improve to get Justin Fields more weapons. But at the same time, I love Jacoby Myers. I think he's a good player. But adding Jacoby Myers to Darnell Mooding and Chase Claypool just wasn't going to be the move to do. And you sit there and go, you don't know how the draft's going to be. There's not a top end. There's not a Marvin Harrison Jr. lock sitting there top 10 pick. I know a lot of people like JSN, but to me, there just isn't that top end guy. I think there's a lot of really good second round wide receiver types, but there's just not a lot at the top of the draft. So I was kind of sitting there going, how can the Bears address this? Because waiting till the second round in the draft before you infuse another receiver here was going to be a problem. So, And I think Ryan Pohl saw the exact same problem. So he went out there and said, Carolina Panthers, you know, Scott Fitterer, if you want to make this trade, this trade is going to include DJ Moore. And from my understanding, he did not budge. Like he's, you know, there were other, you know, I think uh, Pohl's called them boosters in, in an interview that he had three guys in mind. Brian Burns definitely was one of those boosters and there's no way they're moving him. You know, DJ Moore was clearly one of those boosters and who knows exactly who that third booster is. It's probably Derek Brown, the defensive tackle. And I would assume if Derek Brown was that booster, there would have been far more draft compensation than the draft compensation they got for DJ Moore. But I thought Poles did an excellent job. He actually got a top-end wide receiver, DJ Moore, you plug him in wide receiver one, Darnell Mooney, Chase Claypool, wide receiver two, wide receiver three. That, that is a solid top of the, the group right there. Maybe you add a day three wide receiver to Vellis and ESB who are also there. And you can get a pretty good mix there at wide receiver. And even if there's a, some injuries, you have a little bit there that you can absorb. So getting DJ Moore in this trade was absolutely fantastic. And I thought the return was great. I think that first rounder next year, the Panthers, they got a pretty good defense, but that offense is anemic. They could be bad. I think they could be really, you know, they're going to have a rookie quarterback. You know, you're going to take them number one. You're not, you're not bringing in, you know, a bridge quarterback there to start. You bring that quarterback in number one, almost always he's starting day one. They, you know, the South is bad, so they're probably going to get a couple wins here or there because of how bad the conference is. But I think Derek Carr is good enough to win that division for the Saints. I don't think they need to be more than about nine and eight. The Bucks are a mess. You know, that 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 is a division. The Atlanta Falcons, Desmond Ritter. I, I just think that, that that's a division that has some problems. So the Panthers will get a couple wins. I don't think the Panthers are going to have the number one pick in the 2024 draft for the Bears, but I do think it could be top five, and I think it's pretty much a lock that that's going to be in the top 10. So that is going to be a sweet, sweet draft pick for the Bears, plus everything else they got with the additional compensation. This year, the additional second-round pick in 2025, I thought Poles did a great job. My one, one complaint about that is that Poles couldn't land 39. And to me, in the second round specifically, the draft, and this is every draft, this isn't just this upcoming draft, the draft almost always has a significant change in the quality of players that you know that you can get in the top of the second versus the lower part of the second round. So that 22 pick difference from 39 to 61, that was what ended up happening there. I felt that polls really should have tried to hold out, get that 39th pick. And I know getting 39 
a first rounder next year, a second rounder the year after that, and DJ Moore is asking for a lot. And Fitterer may not have budged there, but maybe you can sweeten it with one of those fourth round picks this year and give Carolina a little something back to get that pick. I would have liked that to have happened, but I'm certainly not going to complain. I think he did an excellent job. Now, then we move to free agency. He gets that trade done. He wanted to get it done. He talked about getting it done early because he wanted to know what aspect he was still going to need in free agency. And clearly now we're looking at he wanted to get a wide receiver and he needed to know if he needed to go after Jacoby Myers type or if he did not because of the fact that he was going to get one in this trade. So I understand why Poles wanted to do it. You know, Ryan Poles saying some stuff about that perhaps interest in the pick would have waned if he waited. No. That never, ever happens. Quarterback, there's always a desperation for quarterbacks. Someone is always willing to pay. So I hope that's that's Poles just kind of BSing the whatever person he was talking to. I don't remember who he said that to, but that is a BS line. If he believes it, then I have questions about Ryan Poles. But regardless, he wanted to get the deal done early because he wanted a wide receiver. He gets DJ Moore. Well done, Ryan Poles. Now, moving over to free agency, a little bit more interesting. You know, some of these smaller moves, like the moves. Dante Foreman, like the move. Cheaper than David Montgomery. I think he's going to get similar returns than what they had with David Montgomery last year. Mix him in with Khalil Herbert. Not too much of a commitment, where if you got a running back in round three, round four, round five, no problem there. You can get him right into the mix with, with, with Homer, Herbert, and, and, and uh, Foreman. I think they did really well at the running back position. It's it's exactly where they need to be. Tristan Ebner, I don't think he really fits into the plans. He didn't show much last year. Whether he's on, you know, he could be on the practice squad if they want to keep him there. Nobody's going to pick up Tristan Ebner and give him a 53-man spot. So I, I like the running back position, tight end. Cole Komet, we're probably going to see him get an extension in August. Be interesting to see if Darnell Mooney gets one as well. But Cole Komet, uh, you know, and, and Robert Tanyan, like that combo. Upgraded tight end too. Better for 21 personnel. I, I think that's an excellent job there as well. Wide receivers we talked about. Quarterback with P.J. Walker there. Trevor Simeon. All right, fine. You want to go P.J. Walker? A little bit different. Yeah, all right, fine. I, I'm not going to go crazy there. That, that's a perfectly acceptable move. Now, jumping over to the defensive side of the ball. Linebacker. Obviously, totally overhauled the position. We're going to see uh, Sanborn over at the Sam, and he's probably going to back up at Mike. And, and that's perfectly fine there for Jack Sanborn. And then, of course, we've got TJ Edwards and Tremaine Edmonds. And, and a, a lot of money being sent that way. And I am one. And I have talked about it. I talked about it with Roquan Smith, that I was totally okay if Ryan Poles did not want to pay an off-ball linebacker, because I wouldn't pay an off-ball linebacker. And I was totally okay with Roquan Smith wanting $20 million a year, because Roquan Smith should have asked for $20 million a year. And he got... 20 million a year from the Baltimore Ravens. He got exactly the contract that I was basically saying that is what he wanted from the Bears. And so there was other talk that he wanted 25 million a year. And all. that was BS. That was if that was Roquan negotiating, sure. But that 20, that five years, 100 million, that was clearly to me from day one what that contract was. Now, you get Edmonds a little cheaper, but now Edmonds also isn't as good of a player. And Edmonds could be escalating, right? He could be an upward trending player. He really hadn't figured it out his first few years in the re league, really exploded last year, had an outstanding season. Now you sit there and go, was that outstanding season? Because he figured it all out and it finally clicked. 
Certainly Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus feel that way. They think he's the guy now. But at the same time, was it a contract year in a loaded defense with Von Miller, with Ed Oliver, with, with all these talented players defensively? Was that something where there was so much attention elsewhere that Edmonds was, was free to roam? So it'll be curious to see what kind of player Edmonds is for the Bears. Obviously, they are expecting him to be a huge, huge part of this defense. And TJ Edwards, look, I really like Bobby Okereke on multiple reasons for that. Now, Okereke would have been a little more expensive. I do think the Bears were very much in on him. That's my understanding. But TJ Edwards, I think they just found a great value in him. I think that contract is fantastic. And I think at that point, you know, getting about $4 million less a year than you would have with Bobby Okereke, I think they just said it's going to be similar and it's worth that trade-off right there. So they they pivot to, to Edwards, and now you got Edwards, Edmonds, and Sanborn as your linebacking group. And that is an, that's a very good group. I am not going to obviously complain about that, but I will sit there and say, was spending at that position... Was that the right allocation of resources? And, and we're going to get into trench play here because that, that's a very interesting conversation. And, and the secondary, we haven't done anything in the secondary. The Bears still need another corner. I do not want to go into this next year with Kendall Vildor as a starting cornerback. That does not work for me. They need another corner. You know, you can't address everything in, in the draft early and, and get starters at every position. It doesn't work that way. They still need a corner as far as I'm concerned. Like I said, I think they still need an edge. Let me address the defensive line because Ryan Poles hasn't. And what Ryan Poles has done, I'm not completely certain what the thought process is here, but he is. this defensive line was the worst unit in the NFL. I'm pretty confident in saying last year. It was horrendous. They couldn't do anything well. And what has he done this year? Very, very little. Now, I assume he's still going to get an edge. Nagakwe is still out there. That's obviously someone that they could go for. And that would be a pretty decent, impactful position because he can obviously rush the passer. Not good at stopping the run, but he can rush the passer. And that would help the defensive front for sure because right now what you're looking at is you've got Travis Gibson, who's in the last year of his deal. You're, you've got uh, Justin Jones, who's going to be in the last year of his deal. And you've got one-year deals with Billings, with Andrew Billings, and you got another one-year deal with DeMarcus. You know, well, you got a multiple-year deal with DeMarcus Walker. So you're basically looking at most of the defensive line on one-year deals. So to me, it certainly looks like Poles has decided to punt defensive line the 2024. Let me sign a couple decent guys, see if we can get this defensive front nominal, just a little bit better, and then let's go for it in 2024. Now, with that ninth pick, if Jalen Carter's sitting there, that is certainly something that could happen. I am, and we'll talk to Lester about this. I am adamant that that needs to be an offensive lineman. There's going to be very good ones available at that ninth spot. So I think defensively, it may just be that Ryan Poles is saying, this just isn't going to be our year for defensive line. He didn't go after Dremont Jones. He didn't, you know, whether he could have gotten Deron Payne in the trade, he did not attempt to do that after Payne went, went the franchise tag route. He did not, you know, he didn't go for Hargrave. He did not make, try and make a big splash at defensive line. And that's very odd, especially when we hear how much Matt Eberflus loves his three-tech. And right now, the three-tech I still think is going to be Justin Jones, and I think they're going to have Demarcus Walker rotate in on that three-tech 
on passing situations, you know, third and longs and whatnot, and he's going to rush from the inside. And that's my guess. Walker's going to mostly play on the outside, but they will rotate him in and have him as an internal pass rusher and have two edges coming off off the side. Who those edges are, I don't know, because we haven't done much there. But that, that's kind of the way I see this defensive line. Poles has not addressed it. I don't think this defensive line is going to be very good. I like Andrew Billings, and, and I said in an article, Andrew Billings, to me, is the worst player on a good offensive line. Right now, I think Andrew Billings is their best defensive lineman. At what he does, I think he's better than Demarcus Walker. I think he's better than Justin Jones. I think he's their best defensive lineman, and I think that is a recipe for disaster this year. And you pay all this money to linebackers, and if the defensive line can't keep that, you know, Terrain Edmonds is, is going to be fighting off blockers. That's that's not really, you know, we got to use his athleticism. So if you're getting defensive linemen, if it's all cluttered there because they're not doing their jobs up front, all this money you paid on linebackers isn't going to matter because they're going to get stuck in traffic and they're not going to be able to do their job. So it's an interesting situation the way they've addressed this, but defensive line they have not addressed it is a problem. And the way I explain it, and I, I thought this was a pretty good way. Maybe you don't. If you do, you know, holler at me. Add Zimmerman SXM on Twitter. But, you know, let's say you go to the amusement park. You want to ride this roller coaster. You're a little kid. You know, go back years and you sit there and, and it says 60 inches. You got to be 60 inches tall to ride this roller coaster. Well, last year, the Bears were only 54 inches tall. And, and this year, they're going to show up and want to ride that roller coaster again. And now they're going to be 57 inches tall. So it doesn't matter really how much you've improved the defensive line if it's still not reaching the minimum requirements to compete. And, and that's where I think this defensive line is. It has been ignored, and, and I just don't know. Obviously, I know Poles is going to infuse some talent in that second round on the defensive front. That is 100% going to happen. So when you're sitting there saying, oh, we haven't gotten to the draft yet. But usually you don't see second round picks off the edge just coming in and getting nine sacks. These guys are usually rotational players. It takes a couple years to build up these defensive linemen. So I wanted to see more splash and free agency, and we just didn't do it. And finally, before we get to Lester, offensive line. All at this point we've seen is Nate Davis added to the group. Nate Davis is a solid player. I sent out a tweet that got a ton of attention that Mike Vrabel did not like him. That was just from someone that I trust in, in Nashville that knows that team very well. And Mike Vrabel may have had a good reason. And, and Nate Davis may not work out. Or Mike Vrabel might be completely wrong. Nate Davis is a fantastic guy, fantastic teammate, fantastic player, will be a fantastic player for the Chicago Bears. That is just that is not me to disparage Nate Davis, just simply passing along information. I'm fine with the Nate Davis signing, but what I don't quite get is the putting together this, this offensive line. Now, Nate Davis may bump to the left side, but Nate Davis has played exclusively right guard in the NFL, and I did look this up. As far as I can tell, he exclusively played right guard in college. So you're talking about a solid eight years. I don't know what he played in high school, but you're talking about a solid eight years that this guy has been playing right guard. Can he jump over to the left side? Guards can do it better than tackles usually, but that is not a guarantee. So if you're going to play him at right guard, does that mean you're going to have Tevin Jenkins move over to left guard? That may be the plan there, but let's keep in mind that Tevin Jenkins played largely right tackle his last year at Oklahoma State, played left tackle his first year with the Bears, then jumped over to right guard. So if you're moving him to left guard, that's going to be his fourth position in four years. That certainly opens up the door for regression for Tevin Jenkins. But at the same time, you're only signing, 
in a, a line that had no right tackle. It did not have a center. It did not have a, a left guard. You had three positions you could assign. You said, all right, Braxton Jones at left tackle, Tevin Jenkins at right guard. Let's see what, uh, you know, Poles does with the other three positions. He signed a right guard. Now, does that mean Tevin Jenkins may not fit in the long-term plans? I certainly think that may be the case. I certainly haven't heard anything from Ryan Poles. Like, Ryan Poles, when he talked about Cole Komet, you clearly knew Cole Komet was a part of this team's plans in the future. You you knew. You know, there was 100% and there was no debating it. Tevin Jenkins, oh, Tevin did a nice job here. Tevin did a nice job there. Sure, but he is not committed. He is not... The, the, the tape that Tevin Jenkins put together this year on run blocking to say that polls didn't come out as an offensive lineman, like Tevin Jenkins is a man amongst boys. He, he is pancaking people. He is dominating the run game. We love it. You know, do we want to see him improve pass blocking? Sure, but we love what we're seeing out of Tevin Jenkins in the run game. He hasn't said that. He goes, oh, Tevin did a nice job learning the right guard. So I don't know how much Tevin Jenkins fits into their long-term plans. I don't even know if, how much Tevin Jenkins fits into this year's plans. How little they've addressed offensive line at this point, I assume he does, because I, as far as I'm concerned, he was their best offensive lineman last year. But but there are questions to be had on the offensive line. Now you get to the draft, I think they have to take a tackle at nine. I think that, that it's just, it's need and the board is going to break that it's kind of BPA with Paris Johnson and uh, Broderick Jones. I don't want Peter Skaronsky there. I know everyone loves him, Northwestern. I, I know a lot of people, because of the arm length, thinks he's a guard. Don't need to take a guard like that at nine. I'm going Jones or I'm going Johnson. That's what I would do at nine in terms of right side, left side. You know, I'll talk to Lester about this as well. You know, I know Paris has played a little bit on the right side. Maybe he fits better over there. You could flip Braxton Jones and put, you know, the rookie over on the left side. But again, Braxton Jones may struggle from the right side because, again, there's muscle memory. He's been a left tackle. That's that's a whole other thing. They're just not interchangeable parts. You can't just put your linemen wherever you want them. This isn't Madden and you expect them to do well. This is an actual offensive line where players need to perform. You know, And as for center, I think 100% the Bears need to take a center in the second round or that 64th pick, which I consider a second-round pick. I know it's a third-round pick, but it's actually in the top 64 because of the Dolphins losing that first-round pick this year. So it's basically at the end of the second round as far as I'm concerned. I think they need to take a center there and they need to take a tackle up top. They do that, they're going to have a very young and potentially very good offensive line developed together in the next couple years. So it, it, I just, you know, I could sit there and I love the DJ Moore move and, and I, you know, they've absolutely got themselves a good linebacking core. I don't know why they haven't addressed the, the other cornerback position. You know, again, Tanya and I like, Foreman I like. I like a lot of these moves, but the glaring holes were in the trenches, defensive line and offensive line. And so far it's a couple one-year deals basically. And... Nate Davis. And that is not what we expected. And I know McGlinchey seemed to get too expensive for them. My understanding, it wasn't the value that he got per year. It was the guarantee and basically needing to guarantee Mike McGlinchey that third year polls didn't want to do that. And, you know, you get left out in the cold. So now they need a right tackle. They got to take a tackle at nine. I just think if they go and take another position, you know, I'll get it if Jalen Carter's sitting there and you or Tyree Wilson and you want to boost up that defensive line, but you can't trot Larry Borum out there another year. You cannot do it. 
So it's going to be very interesting, you know, next month as we gear up here. I'm sure there's going to be something else that Poles does. Maybe he just waits for, you know, cap casualties and June 1st cuts. But but the Bears need some more veterans on this team. they got to spend a little more money anyway before they hit that salary floor. So they've got a lot going on. All right. I've babbled enough. Let's get to Lester Wildfong. He's going to join me next. Let's take a break. Bears banter. Bill Zimmerman. We'll be right back. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, welcome back into the podcast. I was talking with him earlier today, and I, I realized we haven't done this in a while. We try and do it at least once a year. He is Lester Wiltfong. He is the big boss man on Windy City Gridiron. You read his stuff all the time. You hear him on the podcast channel all the all the time with Baron Balance and the T-Formation conversation, and he joins us now. Lester, Bill Zimmerman, how you doing? Doing good, Bill. This is awesome. Like you said, you know, we try and do this at least once a year, so it's kind of cool to get a chance to con now, especially when it's such a busy time of year for the Bears. Yeah, and look, and and that's I, I wanted to get you on because you know I, I think in our conversations you probably know I have some questions about how Ryan Poles has addressed the trenches, and, and I love talking trenches with you. We'll do offensive and defensive side, but before we get into that, I, I want to get your take on some of the other moves he's made. And so let's start with the trade, obviously. And, and I know plenty of podcasts have talked about the trade so far on our Windy City Gridiron channel. Make sure you subscribe if you don't already, but. You know, for me, I said that getting DJ Moore was such a big plus in that. And I I did wish they could have gotten 39 instead of 61, because I think those 22 picks this year are going to be pretty substantial. But at the same time, you know, they got three picks there between, you know, whatever it is, 53 and 64. They still have the ninth pick overall. I think that's going to do wonders for, you know, whatever they decide to do. Hopefully it's offensive tackle. We'll get into that. But the DJ Moore thing, having DJ Moore, getting that future one as well, those, those were big pluses. And I think I, I said, you know, well done for Ryan Poles. Yeah, I thought the deal was outstanding. You know, you're getting a young receiver who has three years left on his contract. I think that's the key here for Ryan Poles is, you know, it's not it's not a one-year rent where he has to figure things out now with the contract. You know, he's getting a guy, he's bringing in, three years on his deal. You know, he's fairly young. He can still grow with Justin Fields, grow within the franchise. And when you look at, yeah, he could have had another additional first round draft pick. I'm okay with getting a player with an established young and ascending player who has been a true wide receiver one. And he has had some awful quarterbacks throughout his time in Carolina. So now he's going to come here. It's an an offense that's going to, you know, 
I'm assuming the passing game will be built around his skill set. So I mean, it's going to be it's it's going to be fun to watch him and Justin Fields grow together. Yeah, and and I think I, I like Tanyan as kind of a backup for Komet there. I expect, especially the way Poles talked about him in January, that Komet will see an extension. You know, in yeah. August probably at this point. So you got that at the tight end position. Spending less at running back with Foreman and letting Montgomery go, I, I support that move. I think that was a, you know, a, a smart decision there because I look at that and go, you know, a lot of people are talking about how good this running back class is. It's deep. Like there's going to be guys in the fourth, fifth round that are going to be start, you know, five, six years starting running backs in, in the league. So when I sit there and look at that, they, they haven't done anything to prevent themselves from taking a running back. If you have Foreman, Herbert, you know, Homer, and, and, you know, Tristan Ebner didn't really show anything. And he, look, you can still keep him around and put him on the practice squad. No one else yeah. is going to pick him up. So either Ebner's your fourth running back or you bring in a, a, a rookie running back and start developing him. Foreman's only on a one-year deal. And, and then you can bump him up in, in year two. So I like what they did in the skill positions for sure. I love because it was going to be a challenge to get a receiver you know, to help the receiving core without putting in like a Jacoby Myers and just kind of having him Mooney and Claypool all being kind of the same guy in terms of talent levels. But he went out and got that. So from a skill position, even outside of that trade, I like what Poles did there uh, offensively. What about you? Yeah, I agree. I think the the overall free agency, uh, the plan he's had, he's kind of added some players at some pieces where gives them some options in the draft. And I, I love your idea of draft still drafting a running back at some point on, on on the last day there, because like I said, it is a pretty deep class. You are going to find a guy there with former like cities on a one year deal. You know, maybe he blows up. He, he has not played a lot of football. I mean, he's a five or six year vet, I believe, you know, but he had some injuries early. There were minor injuries, nothing too severe, too serious that has, has stopped his growth as a player. You know, but he was outstanding last season as a guy that plays fantasy football. I I, I saw him, you know, single-handedly take guys teams in in into the, the Super Bowl. You know, he just was a really good down the stretch, like nine hundred some on yards in the last like eight games. You know, he is he has not shown the the ability to be a receiver out of the backfield. So the Bears will lose that. Montgomery was really good at that, uh, but he's good in pass pro. Um, he's good between the tackles. He has a little, I think, a little more speed than Montgomery. And I don't think the Bears are going to miss anything, really, to be honest with you, as far as the running game goes, because they also brought in Homer, who has that third down capability stuff. And then you bring you bring in a back, a, a fourth back, a rookie, kind of bring him in slowly. And I think the uh, the running back room is still going to be pretty explosive this season. Now, uh, before we get into the offensive line, I'm going to do offensive and defense line. We'll finish up with that. So, so let me jump over to the defensive side of the ball. Let's start in the secondary, where nothing has happened yet. I think most likely there has to be a cornerback sign. I would think. I don't quite understand the plan here at some point, but at the same time, I could sit here and go, I get it. You've got a couple safeties, you got a couple corners, but you need a third quality corner. And I'm just not comfortable having I know Vildor played well at the beginning of the year, yeah. thought he showed more warts as the year went on. I'm not comfortable with him being a starting corner again this year. And I just don't know, you know, look. When it comes to the draft, we can sit there and go, oh, they need someone in the defensive line. They need someone in the offensive line, maybe a couple offensive linemen, an edge guy, a cornerback. You can't address everything with those first four picks and expect to have a guy come in and start right away. To me, they still need a veteran corner out there who can come in and start day one. I think Rocky Asin is still out there. I think he'd be a guy that comes in. He has some some uh, some, some some scheme versatility where you can kind of do stuff for Chicago. But, but I'm with you. I mean, Kendall Vildor, 
early in his career was was pretty bad. He seemed to fit the Matt Eberflu scheme a little better, more zone-based stuff. He is a physical player out there, but like you, I'm a little concerned that he may be your plan as a starting corner there. So I'm a little surprised like you, where is the corner, a veteran? You know, you need at least one or two vets to come in. You know, maybe they're going to target a guy in a draft. I think that's a possibility. It's a pretty decent corner class, you know, Maybe that ninth overall pick is a corner. Maybe, maybe the Bears just, you know, go really weird and do something crazy there. Who knows with Ryan Poles? He only has one draft under his belt. So a lot of fans say, oh, look at his track record. He doesn't have a track record. He's had no. one draft. Yeah. Who knows what he's going to do? You know, we'll find out more as the years go on. But for now, who knows what he does? Maybe maybe he isn't a strict stick to his board, best player available. Maybe it is a corner. Who knows what to do here? But, yeah, I think you got to get a corner at some point. I know they're, they're pretty happy that uh, Eddie Jackson's coming back from his injury. No surgery. He should be good to go in training camp. You know, they have a pretty good secondary as it is. But you had one more veteran that really, you know, really sets that whole unit up. Yeah, like you talk about the track record. And not only is it just one draft, it's one draft where he didn't have a first-round pick. Yeah, he had two second-round picks, but it was just – he had to, you know, maneuver in an odd way to try and get things. And, you know, I had my my differences with Ryan Poles on that draft anyway. We don't need to go back down that road. But uh, but I agree. I, I, they definitely need a little more help in the secondary. And look, they've totally revamped the linebacking core. We jump over there. And, you know, I understand Tremaine Edmonds was a fab, just a fantastic player last year. I really like the TJ Edwards move because I think that is a really – value signing and we all love what Sanborn did last year looks like he's going to be the Sam and kind of maybe the backup Mike maybe that's kind of what his role ends up being but uh you know look you hear a lot of the modern day kind of analysts you know you're not going to hear the the Chris Collinsworths and then and the Phil Sims and the guys in their 60s and stuff talk about that but the younger analyst sits there all the time and talks about that in today's NFL your main investment should not be at linebacker. It should be at, you know, whether it's going to be a corner, whether it's going to be an edge, you know, if you're going to invest it, you know, internally, you know, in, you know, interior defensive line, basically anything but linebacker seems to be the attitude. But we know where Matt Eberflus is, bread is buttered. He loves linebackers. They went out and got him a brand new linebacking core. Where are you with the decision to spend big at linebacker? Yeah, I was a little surprised. I mean, there was some rumblings that it was uh, Bobby Okorecki's going to come over from the Colts or some other guys that were talking about that, that you know, that fit what, what he's done in the past, that have a have a, a familiarity in the scheme, you know. But, you know, look, he, he got two guys that fit his scheme perfectly. You know, again, we talk about how he's like the young ascending player. Both these guys are that. T.J. Edwards, Tremaine Edmonds, you know, both still young. You know, they the the the, the money for Edmonds was, was pretty big. I mean, it wasn't quite as, as as big as Roquan's, you know, but you have him and Edwards together. Edwards kind of came in a, a, a bit cheaper than I think most most people thought. Uh, maybe he did that that hometown discount because he is from the area. So you got two outstanding linebackers, but you talk about it. Who's up front still? I mean, yeah, they addressed a couple of guys here, but there's still no there's still no stud, you know, st- three tech. There's still no 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 speed off the edge. You know, they have some work to do here in the in the trenches still. And it's nice to have those guys that can cover because that's something both these linebackers did a year ago. It was their best year in coverage. The game may be slowing down for them, you know, but, you know, maybe Coach Flus is zigging when the whole league's zagging. Maybe he's going with these coverage linebackers. Maybe this is his plan. Maybe he thinks this is the way to go in the NFL. And we'll find out if if it's going to work out or not. But but at some point, man, where's the edge talent? Because right now it's it's not on, on the Bears. 
Yeah, and and that's where my issue is with, with free agency. And I talked about it a little bit before you joined. Is when when you looked at this team coming into the the off season, you sat there and said, "Well, clearly they have big needs on the offensive and defensive line. That's where the free agency needs to focus." And, and I, you know, they also had issue with wide receiver. You crossed that one off of DJ Moore. Well done. Uh, and you know, you nitpicked here or there with tight end and running back and things like that. And that that's fine, but. You know, defensive line was just, I mean, I think, you know, without, you know, grandstanding, I really think this was probably the worst defensive line in the NFL last year. And is it still going to be? Probably not. But is it still going to be bottom five, bottom 10 at best? Absolutely. I mean, Demarcus Walker had a nice season last year, and maybe he's finally figuring things out. He never figured it out in Denver. And I think he's going to give them a little versatility. I think he can play edge, and they're going to be able to move him inside on on clear passing downs, let him rush from the inside. I think that'll help there. It's a nice little move there. I like Andrew Billings as a one-tech. I think he does a a, a good job. I I said, I think I tweeted it out, that Andrew Billings, to me, is the worst defensive lineman on a good defensive line. You'd be very happy if that was the situation. But I think, arguably, Andrew Billings is their best defensive lineman right now, and that, that to me, is a major problem. And, And I'm really wondering at this point, you know, Justin Jones has a year left on his deal. I think Gibson's got a year left on his deal. And, um, you know, it's just a one-year deal for Billings. I just wonder if at this point if Poles just punted it to next year and he's just going to kind of do a couple nitpicking type type things here. But I just – I worry that if you don't have the guys up front, you're just going to create traffic problems for all these linebackers you spent money on and, and they're not going to be able to do their jobs. Yeah, I mean, there's some guys out there. I mean, uh, Yannick – I'm going to butcher his last name, so I'm not even going to try. I mean, he, he he's out there still off the and edge. Gakway. Yeah, in Gakwe, he's out there. You know, yeah, you can bring him in. You know, there are a couple guys out there that you look at. You're like, yeah, he's a uh, Frank Clark is out there. Again, some of these guys are a little older, but if you're look, if you're talking a one year deal that can kind of come in, that can kind of that fits the culture you have in Chicago. You know, there are some guys you can find and give you something off the edge. But right now, who is it? You know, you mentioned Travis Gibson. You know, he had a, a breakout season a couple years ago, but then last year when, you know, there wasn't the the, the, the double team going on with Quinn or Mac, and he was kind of forced to be the guy, he kind of didn't do much. So, you know, there could be some upside there still. It's possible. I know that they're high on uh, Dominic Robinson. You know, he he's a raw athlete, you know, but again, no one you look at on this team now, you say, oh, yeah, he's going to definitely be the man next season. It just it doesn't exist. So if, if you don't address those guys – an edge and again it's a pretty decent class for 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 d-line so maybe find a guy there maybe tyree wilson's a pick at nine i mean who knows what they're going to do there but you know there's some options this is one reason why i think with the bears have so many holes still this is one reason i think maybe trading back from nine unless there's a slam dunk there if if jalen carter falls to nine that'd be hard to pass up because of the talent you know but if he's off the board, if he goes to Detroit, let's say, and and, and you're sitting there at nine and, and, and your tackles are still on the board, you know, and, and some guys are on the edge are still on the board, maybe you trade back a little bit, try and recoup another draft pick because you need help in a lot of places and you want the youth on this roster. Yeah, I, I, I offensive line here. Let, let's talk about that ninth pick. So, I'll, you know, you brought up some names here. So let's say... The board now, like you said, maybe Poles loves Christian Gonzalez or something, and he's hoping he's the, the there to the pick at nine. Uh, who knows? But let's say a couple corners go early. You know, Gonzalez and Witherspoon are off the board early, and let's just say that you've got Tyree Wilson, Jalen Carter, 
and all three tackles, if we're going to call Peter Skronsky a tackle, let's say all five guys are still available at nine. And Ryan Poles calls Lester Wilfong and says, Lester, I need some help here. What should we do at nine? What are you going to tell him? Yeah, I mean, if all those guys are there, I think you really got to trade back. I mean, I would love to see Jalen Carter, but, you know, until he had a chance to meet with the Bears and, and meet with these teams, you know, those character concerns are real. I mean, teams are concerned about that. They want to know exactly if, if his stuff's behind him. The legal trouble seems like it may be in the past, but, you know, that's a lot weighing on, on, on a young man's mind. And, you know, there were some other some other rumors about some stuff in his past, you know, prior to the stuff with the, with, with the speeding came up and the accident came up. So, you know, they got to do their homework on, on Jalen Carter. But, you know, it'd be hard to pass him up. But if, if all those five guys are still on the board, you know, and then I'm pretty high on, on the kid from Tennessee to tackle right, too. I, I like him as well. So, I mean, if you got those five guys on the board and if you can trade back, you know, three or four picks, if there's someone willing to come up and give you a, a, a another second round pick or even a third round pick, I think you got to think about it. Yeah. And I, like I said, you know, when you're talking about a second round pick, you're talking about a pretty high second round pick. And, and to me, and like I, I brought up before, I really want to get in that top half of round two. So if you can trade back and get one of those round two picks, you may have to kick in like a fourth round pick or something yeah. to get the team to agree. I would 100% do that. Cause I think having one of those, uh, an additional second round pick would be big, but you know, I, I talked about this at the beginning and, you know, we're so focused on Justin Fields and, and for good reason, you know, with DJ Moore coming in great. All right. Cole Komet, Darnell Mooney, Chase Claypool. Looks like we finally got, you know, you know, when, when Chase Claypool isn't the guy and he's suddenly <laughs> just in the mix of, of four or five potential, you know, weapons for Justin Fields, you look and sit there and say, all right, this, this is pretty good for Fields here. We got something finally built. But when you get to the offensive line in front of him with only signing Nate Davis, and we'll get into kind of positions and where you think everyone should be, but there is still a glaring, no matter how you, you know, move the offensive linemen around, you cannot come up with five good offensive linemen at this point. You most likely have Larry Borum at right tackle unless you're swinging Tevin Jenkins back out there or something. Right now, to me, you know, I'm not a huge fan of what else is left out there in free agency in terms of getting a guy that you are comfortable starting 17 games at, at right tackle. To me, and it's unfortunate because I'm a big believer in BPA, but I do think it also may kind of work out that these tackles, Broderick Jones and Paris Johnson, may kind of be BPA at nine. And I think they 100% have to take a tackle. I, I I get it with Jalen Carter. I get it with Tyree Wilson. These are you know excellent prospects with a lot of talent. But I am just in a position where Justin Fields is the most important player on my team. I need a tackle at nine. The nice thing is 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 this draft lines up with the Bears' needs. So if they do take a tackle on nine, you know there'll be no one saying, "Oh, they're reaching for a tackle because they have to fill their need." I mean, the things are lined up for the Bears where they could take the guy they need. It still works out for them, even if they trade back a little bit. They still should get a guy that they need there. That's that's, that's at a BPA type position. So I'm with you though, man. I mean, Larry Borm. I mean, he's fine. He has a swing guy as a backup. I don't want him starting for me. You know, uh, right now there's no one else in the roster. Alex Leatherwood, I mean, can he be trusted? If he played, you know, sparingly last year coming off the mono, you know, so maybe they believe in him. But, you know, can as a franchise, can you think, yes, he's going to be a guy that takes one of these spots. So, you know, the only guy that I think that still is a starter level right tackle is, is, is Cam Fleming of the Broncos. I believe he's still available. You know, I think he may be a guy that can come in. You, know, you may have to overpay a little bit. 
because there is a chance you're going to draft the right tackle in the draft, which would then push him to your swing tackle spot. But, but I, I think there's a you got to you got to bring a vet in. You you cannot rely on the draft solely. I mean, if you get a guy like Paris Johnson Jr., he's going to be starting for you day one. That's just what happens with a guy in, in, in the top ten there. But you cannot go into the draft knowing that Larry Borum is is the fallback plan if Johnson's off the board. Yeah, no, I, I I do understand that, and you know that's why I think they're they're in a little bit of a pickle here in the trenches. And I know it, it seemed pretty confidently we can say that Mike McGlinchey was someone that they definitely wanted, and it seems yeah. that it wasn't really the the yearly price that was the problem; it was the guarantee that he, McGlinchey basically got a third year guaranteed. I don't think Polls wanted to guarantee him a third year. I think that was the problem, and, and I think that's why they lost out there. But you know they're 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 in a, a, a tough spot. And, you know, there's a lot of talk about Cody Whitehair moving back to center and he can be your starting center. And, you know, and and what I've told people is, and look, maybe Cody Whitehair gets this, you know, feels great, moves back to center and has an outstanding year. But this isn't 2018 Cody Whitehair. I mean, this is five years later. That's a lot of, lot of tread on tires for an offensive lineman five years. He's starting to get injured quite a bit. And the white hair at the end of the year, after a season really ground him down, did not look, you know, he, he looked a lot better at the beginning of the year than he had in 2021, but he did not look great to me at the end of the year. And based on the 2021 tape, based on the injuries I've seen, and based on his finish, I'm not a guy that wants Cody Whitehair as part of this team moving forward. I love how much he, he was a great lineman for them. He said versatility, he played multiple positions. I love what Cody did for the Bears, but I am ready to move on post June 1st. I'm obviously, they don't need the cap space this year. So pun is, you know, open cap space the next year. I think it makes a lot of sense. And I think then obviously you're creating another hole. And I think I really like kind of the centers lining up in round two. I yep. don't think John Michael Schmitz is going to be there unless the Bears get a higher second round pick. So I think, you know, you're looking at a Luke Weipler, you're looking at Tipman. You know, there's there's there are some good centers there that I think fit the way Ryan Poles wants this offensive line. And I think if you have, you know, both tackles and both guards positions settled where you can have a rookie second or, you know, if you want to call 64 or third round pick, it's still kind of a second round pick. If you want to talk about one of those guys getting selected there and competing with Lucas Patrick, I'm okay with that as, as the center position for 2023. Yeah. We're on the same page as far as drafting the center. I think that's definitely a must, especially with the way the board's going to line up. You know, there's going to be a few guys there that, you know, the bears can, can target, you know, and again, it's, it's, it may be a need because the bears need guys on the interior, but it should line up for the BPA, so there'll, there'll be no reaching going on here. The Bears should get a, a center that's that's pretty good quality. But the where, place that differs, I think Cody Whitehair has a place on this roster. Um, I just think that I think you keep him around as your center. I think you draft a center if, if there's one there, and then I think at some point, you know, Cody Whitehair is going to have to bow down and 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 go to go go to a backup role, and the rookie will kind of take that job there. You know, because if the Bears were in a situation where they needed that cap space desperately, yeah, I think it's the best move to get rid of them. But I think at this point, the way the, the O-line looks, you know, don't create a hole if you don't have to. You know, he still has a place in his team. You know, he is a team leader. He was a captain last year. He kind of took some of those young guys under his wing. I think you, as Ryan Poles, you know, he's talked about having some veterans around the locker room. And, you know, Cody White here is one of the few guys they have now that kind of fits that role. So if you keep White here around, if he goes into the season as your starting center, you know, you can't count on it because we saw what happened last year. He was fine early on. He hurt his knee. 
Uh, there wasn't a surgery, but whatever happened to his knee, he kind of came back and he was not the same player. So you got to you gotta have a backup plan. And, and I like White here on the team. I don't like him as your surefire. He's going to be the guy that starts all 17-game center for you. All right. I, I think that's that's a fair point. I won't, I won't I won't take you to task on that one. You know, I I just would see, you know, Justin Fields potentially is going to need a massive contract next offseason. Yeah. The, the, the money is going to be needed. So that's why I would say post June 1st, they certainly don't need it this year. But I, I do understand where you're coming from. And he is a leader. So there, you know, there's there's some situations there. And while we're talking offensive line, I, I want to ask you about positions uh, along the offensive line because you know nate davis has played as far as i can tell right guard exclusively in the nfl and he played right guard exclusively in college now usually guys as good as nate davis probably played you know left tackle or right tackle in, in, in high school but who knows but you're talking about at least seven eight years that nate davis has played right guard and i know switching from right guard to left guard is a lot easier than someone who's been playing you know right tackle for a decade and now you're going to ask him to play left tackle in terms of the muscle memory and everything but i know you like kind of trying to keep consistency here so is it better to move nate davis to left guard and let tevin jenkins stay at right guard where he excelled last year or is it better to keep nate davis there at right guard and, and then you move tevin jenkins potentially to left guard but of course the issue there is Jenkins basically played right tackle his last year at Oklahoma State, left tackle his first year with the Bears, right guard his second year with the Bears, and left guard. You're talking about his fourth position in four years. So, you know, where are you with how you would kind of work the guard situation, assuming it's it's Jenkins and Davis? You know, I'm assuming the Bears have a plan. I'm assuming they signed Nate Davis knowing he was a, a career right guard knowing their best returning old lineman was a, a right guard in Tevin Jenkins. So I'm assuming this conversation took place with Nate Davis, where he knew exactly what he was coming to Chicago to play. You know, they haven't told us yet, you know, it hasn't been out there yet, but I, I kind of find it hard to believe they're going to ask him to go to a new position after giving him you know, a pretty decent contract, knowing that he's excelled at one spot and I'll say, Hey, move him. I think, Tevin Jenkins kind of flip-flopping back and forth, you know, from his, his his time in college, the time in Chicago. Maybe this plays in his benefit where they say, hey, look, the muscle memory has not really set in for you yet. Yes, you did a good job at right guard, but we think you maybe want to move to left guard. Plus, you know, who knows how this regime feels about Tevin Jenkins? I mean, they had the drama last offseason. You know, maybe it's not a thing where you ask him to move, say, hey, you're going to left guard, and it, that's what's happening here. If you don't like it, kick rocks. You know, who knows what's going to happen behind the scenes, but, you know, you leave Davis at right at right guard. You ask Jenkins to kind of move over. And then I think you you have Cody Whitehair going to center. And then we're still talking about that hole at, at right tackle. And now, now maybe Tevin Jenkins does kick back outside to play tackle. It seems like that's not really in the cards because, you know, the arm length threshold, this regime feels like, you know, it seems like that's what it, that, that makes a big deal to them. That's why they didn't want to play right tackle in the first place. But I like this tackle tape. I thought he was fine. I like the brief little tackle tape he had with the Bears, you know, the, the, the previous season. So I, I just like Tevin Jenkins. I'm a fan of the way he plays football. I, I hope he is still on his team next year in some capacity. Yeah, I think he will be just because they haven't addressed enough at this point. You know, if they had drafted Isaac or uh, signed Isaac Sayomalu, you know, something like that, and you work him in with Nate Davis and you're sitting there going, I don't quite understand how all the pieces are going to fit here. But, at, you know, at this point, you know, you move Tevin Jenkins out to right tackle, you still have a, a, a hole at left guard. Yeah. So it's, it's you know, it, there's there's enough there where something needs to be solved. Now, when we're talking about muscle memory with Braxton Jones, you know, let's say at nine they do get a Paris Johnson or they do get a Broderick Jones. 
You have Braxton Jones, who did a, you know, especially for an FCS rookie, uh, you know, out of the fifth round, where you really, I mean, usually you draft a guy like that in the fifth round, you're hoping you get four years out of him as a backup tackle. You're, you know, you're not really expecting a lot out of him, but he steps in day one, does, you know, a, a really good job. I mean, obviously there were issues that he had as a rookie developing, but considering all those things going against him, did a really good job. If you draft the stud at nine, do you move him the left tackle and move Braxton Jones over to, to right tackle? Or you think maybe, you know, look, with Justin Fields moving around back there and everything, I don't think it's set where left tackle's protecting the blind side, right side's protecting yeah. the front side. So, you know, you know, he's going to be rolling out a lot to the right side of the field because he's right-handed quarterback. There's going to be plenty of reason to have talent at right tackle. Are you a keep Braxton Jones no matter what at left tackle, assuming he's starting, or are you okay if they bounce him over to the right side, being it's only his second year? You know, I've always been the kind of guy that that I look at both tackles equally. You know, you need to have a good pass rusher on both sides because because who rushes against right tackles? I mean, the Bosa brothers. You know, Mac. I mean, Von Miller. It seems like more and more teams now put their premier pass rusher to attack the right tackle. So so I know the 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 cap. Uh, the, the money it has not reflected that yet. The left tackle still get paid more money, but I think at some point that's going to start balancing out a little bit because there are so many outstanding pass rushers going after the right side of, of an offense. So uh, it's all about comfort. You know, we talk about the muscle memory. Uh, the guy like Broderick Jones, you know, he's only played like a year and a half uh, at left tackle. You know, you look at a guy like uh, Paris Johnson, he's played some guard in his career. He's played some right side in his career. So I think both those rookies are, are good enough to line up on the right side. And it does seem like Ryan Poles and Matt, and Matt Eberflus like Braxton Jones as their left tackle. You know, they seem like he's a fit there. You know, they, they talked him up quite a bit, you know, so – it's it's hard to say, but I, I again, it's it's we're, we're, you got to follow the money. You know, left tackle still get paid more, so rookies coming in, they may may want to play that premier position, you know. But I think at some point the money will even out, and I think if that happens, you know, eventually it's it's down the road. But then it doesn't really matter, right or left. You still got a pass block. Let's let, let's get the best five on the field, and if you're the right, you're the left. So be it. Yeah, no, I, I I'm with you absolutely. And to me, and and that's what we kind of talk about is I, I don't want to see any regression with, with the young players that Ryan Poles has yeah. put in. I, I want to try and keep guys where they're comfortable and, and let them perform there. It's it's not going to be perfect, right? It's it's not going to be perfect because, like you said, Tev and Nate Davis are both right guards, so they got they got to deal with that. And you know, assume if they do draft a tackle at nine, then you're going to sit there and you got two left tackles as well. So you know, e- either way, there's going to be some some players on the move. But um, to me. When, when I looked at this, and I, I, I've said this in articles, I've said it on, on the podcast and, and tweeting at people and, and whatnot, to me, I still see a path to the offensive line being a pretty good unit, like at least league average, maybe even if the if, the, if they do get a couple young, you know, day one, day two players in that start right away and develop, maybe even above average as an offensive line, you know, you get someone like Tipman or Weipler or John Michael Schmitz at center, and then they really, you know, click as a, as a rookie. You get centers clicking as a rookie all, all the time. I, I think yeah. that's an absolute possibility there. And, and you get someone like Broderick or, or, or Paris out on the outside. Like that line has the potential to be good this year. It, it does. But defensively, even if you get someone like if you sign Yannick Nagakwe and, and bring in Jalen Carter, like that's that's a big help there. But I can't see the defensive line, 
I just don't see a path to the defensive line being good or at least league average this year like I do for the offensive line. Do you agree? No, I agree. I think, you know, like I'm with you. I, I like the signings they got. I like Billings. You know, I like Walker. Gives us some versatility with Walker. He kind of play, you know, off the edge, play play a three-tech for you. But this is still a, a, a Tampa 2-ish type defense, and we've heard it for years. We're Bears fans. We know it. The three technique is the engine that runs that defense. And right now there is nothing. I mean, who do you have in that spot? I mean, is it going to be P.J. Walker? Is it going to be Justin Jones right now? You know, the draft's going to happen. They're going to draft somebody. I mean, there are, again, there are some talented three techs that they can get here. This is where I, I keep going back to probably the best case scenario for the Bears is all those tackles still on the board. They could find a way to trade back. They could pick up a, an edge. They could pick up a tackle. You know, there are some players there that can come in and as, as, as rookies and make an impact for you. But you just got – Again, this is a bad roster. I mean, it was, you know, a three-win team from a year ago, and and those three wins are because of Justin Fields doing crazy things. You know, this team is just so stripped to the studs. You know, I mean, there was nothing left here, and that was Ryan Poles' plan, and he's going to see it through. But, you know, we're going to have another year of a, of a rough roster. So trade back, you know, get some more bodies, some more talent, and then let all these guys compete and, and may the best team go out there. Yeah, and, and so we're, we're sitting here pretty much exactly one month from draft week. So when when you're looking right now at what Ryan Poles has done, what he still needs to do, so I, I believe kind of reading through everything, before the draft, ideally, you'd like to see a tackle, offensive yeah. tackle, as presumably right side, and a cornerback that can come in and start. You'd like to see those two positions still addressed before we get to draft day in Kansas City. And an edge. You got to bring an edge. And an edge. That's true. And an yeah. edge. Correct. I mean, and, and look at the Bears. The Bears have the, still have the most money in, in, in the cap. I mean, they're, they're like, you know, double the, the the next team. So, you know, if some players get shook and loose, which which always happens, there are some vets get cut. And the Bears, you know, the Bears may wait. I mean, the Bears may wait and sit after the draft when some other teams will, will cut some guys. You know, I mean, who knows? They have a plan in place here. You know, I, as a fan, I'm like, like I'm, I'm like you, corner, you know, tackle. Uh, right tackle, and then of course edge, and you know you got to address those spots because you know waiting, you know you never know it'll happen. So I think you got to address those three spots, and I think if you could trade back, you know I I keep going back to to, to the kid from Tennessee, uh, Darnell Wright or yeah Darnell Wright. I think he's a uh, he is a a right tackle. You know he would fit exactly in that spot. You know he's not quite the athlete as the other two guys are, but he's a very good co- collegiate right tackle. I think he kind of filled that spot for you kind of probably get him maybe in the teens. And then now you have some more ammunition to get your edge, to get your your D tackle. You know, maybe get a corner too. So, you know, th- there are a lot of options here for Ryan Poles. I mean, he he's played this pr- pretty pretty good. You know, he hasn't addressed all his needs, but no, he has some ammunition still to kind of make some moves. Yeah, he, he absolutely does. So it's, you know, it's funny, you know, we, we've we you know, a few weeks into free agency here, but we still have a long way to go for the Bears. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting to see what what happens here over the next about five weeks. All right, well, there he is, Lester Wilfong, again, the chief editor of Windy City Gridiron. Follow him on Twitter, make sure you read all his stuff. And of course, listen to him whenever those podcasts pop out with Baron Balance and the T formation conversation. Lester, thanks for so much time. Really enjoyed it. And we'll talk to you again soon. Sounds good. Anytime. All right. There he is, Lester Wilfong. We'll take a quick break and we'll wrap it up. Bears banter, Bill Zimmerman. We'll be right back. All right. There he is, Lester Wilfong. Everybody love talking to Lester, love talking offensive line, Lester. And I think he brings up a lot of good points. 
And look, at this point, you know, when we're sitting here in late March, it is still too early to know exactly how this roster is going to shape up at this point. But like Lester and I were talking about, there's not the impact guys, right? Where you could sit there and be like, oh, well, we still got money and we can still do. There, there's, a guy, there's not much left. That's the issue. There's not much left. There's still a, a few. We talked about Ngakwe. He brought up Cam Fleming. There's a few decent guys out there that can still impact this roster in 2023, but there's not a lot. Now we can see potentially some cap casualties and some some people that get you know post-June 1st and, and are available and all that. There's still potential there, but there's still a lot of holes on this roster and I think a lot of fans want to see a big jump. And there's going to be a jump, clearly. They're not going to have the number one pick next year. If they do, there's then, you know, hello, Caleb Williams, Justin Fields, thanks for your time. But I'm assuming they are going to improve. But, like, to me right now, if they went in, get a few good draft picks, and they go in with this unit this year, they're going to go from a, a three-win team to a six-win team, you know, maybe a five-win team. I know the schedule should be a little easier. You never quite know until you're into the season with the NFL. But, you know, you still have some questions as to what Poles is going to do and how this roster all fits together. Now, again, I don't think Ryan Poles is done. We talked about it right there at the end with Lester. Lester's edge. And like I said, I, I've delayed a podcast because I've assumed that an edge was going to be signed, but it has not gotten done. Edge needs to happen. Lester really wants to see a veteran tackle get, get into the mix and give him a little more flexibility. Okay, fine. They definitely need a corner. Like there are three positions that need to be addressed and hopefully addressed before the draft. But you know, there's there's some situations there that Ryan Poles really needs to kind of take a look at and figure out what he wants to do for the roster for next year because they're not there yet. And with the amount of money they had. And having the number one pick and getting to get more draft capital and future draft capital, to me, and now Aaron Rodgers presumably leaving for the Jets here whenever they finally figure that out over there, you know, the Detroit Lions are the best team in the NFC North. I think the Detroit Lions might be the third best team in the NFC with Jared Goff at quarterback. I mean, that just, that is a scary, scary thought. I think you got the Eagles, you got the Niners, then I think it's the Lions. And you sit there and be like, all right, is it the Seahawks or the Lions? You know, you know, that, ah, I don't know, Dallas or the Lions. There's there's not a lot of top-heavy teams. I'm not a, you know, Daniel Jones believer. I don't think the Giants are ascending. I think the Giants are kind of going to be spinning their wheels in the mud here where they are at an 8-9 win team. There are not a lot of teams here. So the, the Bears have an opportunity, if they can improve the roster enough and win 8-9 games, they can sneak into the playoffs next year because the NFC is soft enough but they just haven't made the moves yet. And I still think they're looking at five, six wins. And there's not a lot of people left that are going to be able to actually impact a roster and bring more W's to Chicago. So let's see what Ryan Poles does here. Let's see about the draft. We're going to get into all that. We'll have a couple more uh, couple more podcasts. There you go. Forgot the word podcast. Good job, Bill. Couple more podcasts for you coming up in April. Hoping to have a couple good guests. EJ Snyder always joins us around draft time. EJ and I will dive into those. So, you know, we'll do a little bit day three stuff, but we're really going to dive into first and, uh, and second day picks there for the Bears and what they can do there. And, and we'll, we'll, I got, I think, another couple good guys that you're really going to like there. And we'll, we'll get all those in through April and at the beginning of May here and break down the draft and all. Should be a lot of fun. And we're going to be right here with you as we see what Ryan Poles can do 
to improve this roster. Until then, bear down, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. Adios. Adios.